0: You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: It is Tuesday, February
1: 25th. It's Punchki Day. It's <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't eat them, but. To all my friends in Hamtramck, Michigan.
0: they have already given them up for life uh, rather yeah, than Yeah, which is
1: so sad. But <laughs> Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras, whatever you want to call it. But it's Trove Punchki Day.
0: Tuesday. Punchki punch (laughs) today tuesday uh yes it is uh tuesday february 25th uh two really neat things on deck we get to travel Mm -hmm. today at least virtually uh get to connect live with uh one of our missionary friends from lutheran bible translators serving in ghana so excited to get to to have the technology to be able to connect with them in person yeah (laughs) hope it stays connected um (laughs) you know how that never works know. <laughs> never know um and uh, also talking about the march on the arch in the second half mm-hmm. here in st louis that's uh, coming up very soon as well march 7th thanks to concordia university wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu
1: live uncommon
0: joining us today ali federwitz member care coordinator with lutheran bible translators serving in ghana ali thanks so much for being our guest on the coffee hour today
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: It is, uh, what is it, afternoon, like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, so your day is winding down, so I guess we should say good afternoon for you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, thanks. In some ways it's winding up, but yes. Oh, that's true. I I
0: suppose uh, uh, end of the school day and then more family time, I gather, huh? Exactly. (laughs) So, Allie, when did you first begin thinking about serving as a missionary?
2: Well, it's funny, I can't remember actually focusing on it at any point, but in college I met this boy.
1: <laughs>
2: it always starts that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um and that boy became my husband, Paul, who was uh raised on the mission field here in West Africa. So it was through kind of exploring our relationship that I knew if we were to go anywhere with our relationship, I needed to really seriously consider um, missionary service. So I, it was never really a conscious decision on my part, but certainly I know um, God worked in my heart and he changed it to ha- have this be my passion as well.
1: Share a story with us uh, that that shows us um, what you actually get to do as member care coordinators. Lutheran Bible translators, we think, oh, you're you're all translators, but uh what is what does a member care coordinator actually get to do
2: yeah sure so um you know the overused saying it takes a village is <laughs> is true and in, in any aspect it does take um quite an extensive team or network of people to do any job um, so as a member care coordinator uh my job can really entail anything, anything that our missionaries need to be able to stay well in their location. And so that could be, you know, physical needs. uh, It can be emotional needs, spiritual needs, um, practical needs of any kind. Those things kind of cross my plate. And as the name coordinator suggests, you know, I coordinate those resources. So it can be connecting somebody to um another missionary who has a similar job and being able to to brainstorm ideas that way it could be encouraging them to seek a certain type of uh medical care um praying with them i mean i i really have quite an extensive list of things that we can <laughs> we could talk about as far as the different veins that uh, are within my job
0: well let's go back to when you were first in the mission field now you mentioned your husband Paul who we've talked with Paul Mm -hmm. we've talked with the whole family before here on KFU when you were early in the field uh, new to the field who was it that uh, provided that care and that support for you as a new missionary um, to to support you in the field and, and learning this whole new life who was it that supported you
2: yeah and again I I couldn't pinpoint one person but certainly a group of people here we've been in Ghana uh since our since we came in 2007 so um we had a few different teams on the field one was uh, Nathan and Sarah Esla. and Sarah mm-hmm. Esla is actually my teammate my co-member care coordinator um and then because you've spoken to all the Federwitzes, <laughs> uh, we've also had, um, there's another Federwitz family here, David and Valerie Federwitz. We've been um, blessed to have a family with us. But, um, you know, it just seemed like no matter when, when a hard time came up, somebody showed up at my door. And I can't tell you how powerful that is, just to have somebody show up. And sometimes it was, um, you know, someone came in once and cleaned my kitchen for me, uh, you know, provided a, a dinner for my family. Fellowship is so valuable. I cannot... Um, even emphasize how valuable fellowship is when you're feeling kind of lonely and isolated at times. Um, Even though you're surrounded by people, you still have those feelings. Um, You know, where do I fit in? Who's like me? And so someone who's like you, who's struggled just like you, who shows up, Um, certainly very powerful and meaningful um, worship times together as well.
1: So how does that, that care that other people have shown you, uh, how does that help you then care for the people that, that are, that it's your responsibility to care for?
2: Yeah, for sure. So I think, you know, anytime someone kind of extends a hand of friendship, shows us love in, in a way that maybe we didn't know or hadn't had the ability to, um, show love in that way, it really, it's another way of learning. It really opens up your, your abilities to love and care for others, um, so I think I lost your question, Sarah. In my little <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's all right. We're looking at how uh, those who, how you're equipped to care for others, um, how your experience of being cared uh-huh. for as a new person in the field, how that helped you and and, and gives you um, a foundation for serving others.
2: Yeah. So, and like I said, people people showing up, but I also think that. As missionaries, we all reach a point of almost complete, it feels like almost complete brokenness. We find ourselves in some really dark places at times in the beginning. And it it really takes others to swirl around us to help to build us back up again, to remind us of God's promises. And when you get to those places and you come out kind of renewed and healed and with a new outlook, It really energizes you and gives you a passion or it gave me a passion to help others during those really kind of dark times. You know, it's almost like a a breaking down of self and a a rebuilding of who God really wants you to be. Um, I think those experiences are super powerful for helping me to walk alongside others who who are going through similar experiences.
0: That. I'm just picturing that in my mind, what that's like. You know, there are so many things in life where you can talk about them and try to describe them, but until you truly experience them mm-hmm. yourself, uh, it's it's really hard to express what that is like. Mm-hmm. And trying to picture what that's like, that being in a a, a new culture, a new part of the world, um, and, and, and as you pointed out, you, you have the blessing of having uh, some family in the area and other people that you've connected with, um, but to be so disconnected to some mm-hmm. degree... Um, that uh you you feel that isolation and 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 i I forgot the other terms that you used to describe that what that that feels like but then to come out uh surviving that i don't know if surviving is the the word (laughs) from surviving to thriving yeah How how do you how do you go from surviving to thriving and how do you help the the other members do that as well
2: well, never underestimating the power of god's grace in all mm-hmm. things, um, knowing that there are just some things, no matter how much you prepare for it, you just have to walk through the the yucky um, and nobody wants to sit in anything that feels just uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. knowing that that's just kind of that's just kind of part of it um, for me i was blessed to be surrounded by some people who helped me with the process of debriefing. We had, we had experienced as a family some certain traumas and um, this process of debriefing, it's a systematic way of telling a story and really just kind of getting to the heart of an issue. You, you go through all of your senses and everything that you saw, felt, were there tastes, were there smells, you know, just really getting it out. And often when we tell a friend about a hard time, we're just focusing on maybe the the impact of whatever that, that crisis or that trauma is. We're really focusing on that one thing, but we're not stepping back and looking at it from a broader point of view and trying to see all that was um, involved in it. And so then those things kind of linger with us and we take them into the next trauma. And then it's, it kind of decreases our resilience because we've never dealt with the full picture. And so that's really where my passion for member care came in is experiencing this, this debriefing process. And then um, I went through the training as well. So I've been able to help others with debriefing after crisis and trauma for sure. But then even on a, on a different level, each time missionaries go back to the U S on what might be called home assignment or a furlough time, there's, Called an end of term debriefing. So then you're looking at the whole timeline of events and highs and lows and how they all kind of fit together to where you are today. And just really kind of the healing and the growth and the excitement and the encouragement that comes from it. That's really been where my passion has been in this broad mm-hmm. uh, field of member care.
1: What are some of the other unique needs uh, of the missionaries that you work with? Uh, you mentioned this this debriefing process and the transition uh, from from maybe life in the states to life on the field. What are some of the other unique needs uh, that that missionaries specifically have on the field?
2: Yeah, I think um, living cross culturally can be so exhaustingly ambiguous you think you know something about a situation, and then you come to find out that you're just completely wrong, because you're looking at it from, you know, a different point of view. You're looking at it maybe with your American eyes, um, or some other set of eyes that you might have. Um, And so just, you know, offering uh, compassion and grace instead of things like uh, pity and judgment, certainly being reminded of God's truths. You know, it just seems like, but God's truth, it's truth. How can we, how can we, how can we forget it? But like I said, you do reach a, a place of brokenness and you need people around you to remind you of those things that previously filled you up and made you whole during those times. Um, lots and lots of transition of m- many kinds and actually learning to grieve the losses that come with transition. Mm. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I had only really ever thought about grief in terms of losing someone, you know, life and death issues, but not in the sense of, oh, I have lost my ability to communicate with that one certain friend, and that's a loss that I need to find a way to grieve. Certainly, maybe not, you know, breaking down in tears, but what am I going to do to address that kind of a loss? Um, Those types of things, I think, are what we deal with really most frequently.
0: What a a good point. And now I have about ten more questions, and we're out of time. <laughs> uh, just, just thinking about you know, this is happening in so many other vocations as well, and and yes. choices of, of of career fields um, that, as well. That you know, in the past, we thought of you do your job nine to five, and then you go home, and there's a separation right. between your career. But when you're a missionary, um, your whole life, your whole family, everything is is Interwoven into sure, this, the lines this, are blurred. Right? Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. There's it, it's it. It never ends. Yeah.
2: right, <laughs> right.
0: You don't just close the door on your office and go home. You're 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 missionaries. <laughs> it's your your life. That's where you live. What a yeah. What a story that we need to unpack some more. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Allie, thank you so much for joining us on the coffee hour. I know that uh, you've got uh, a house full there this afternoon, and, uh, and things are going to be busy for you pretty soon. So thank you so much. And, and thanks to Paul for uh, making arrangements so that uh, we could work it out to, to get to chat with you, give you some time uh, away so we could chat this afternoon.
2: Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Allie Federwitz, member, care coordinator, Lutheran Bible translators. You're listening to the coffee hour. I'm Eddie Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: More on the way.